Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the program. Episode 8. I'm grateful to you for sticking around. Uh, listen to us for this long. I hope you, that when uh, you've got your family together for Christmas, uh, I, I know there's plenty to talk about. But if uh, if you could somehow sneak into the conversation that there's this new radio program you've been hearing on KSL News Radio, uh, middays twelve thirty to three. Uh, it's Lee Lonsberry. It's this young-ish guy who gets a little overexcited, uh, but hopefully brings you uh, some important information and some good interviews and a little bit of insight into what's going on uh, in the world around us as it impacts our lives and livelihoods. I'd be very grateful. Uh, thank you. This is a new program here. I am very uh, anxious to, to grow it and to, to get you involved. Uh, w- one of the ways you can get involved, of course, is uh, via the text line, the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. I'd love to hear from you today on any of the num- any number of the top or any one of the number of topics we're covering today on the program. We're going to talk about uh, some stuff going on in Washington in just a moment, but I also want to invite you to, when you get a chance, if maybe you're not in the car, but you'd still like to tune in you can do so by using the ksl news radio app it's powered by any hour service and uh there's video you can see when we have guests in here it's cool to see uh, some of the interactions uh we have uh, some nice christmas decorations some holiday trees and all that here spread around the studio it's a pretty nice setup I, uh, I'll tell you what, I used to work here about five years ago, and it sure didn't look as pretty as it does now. Uh, so when I ca- returned here, when KSL so generously gave me this little radio program, it was a pretty spe- uh, special thing to come in and see all these uh, decorations. There's a tree over my right shoulder. Uh, anyway, that's uh, all available for your viewing pleasure at the KSL News Radio app, powered, of course, by Any Hour Services. I want to read you a letter really quickly before we move into this World Wildlife Fund story. This letter is dated December 20th. It is authored by Speaker of the House of Representatives Nancy Pelosi. It is addressed to the Honorable Donald J. Trump, President of the United States. You may or may not have heard he was impeached the other day. The letter reads thusly. It says, Dear Mr. President... In their great wisdom, our founders crafted a constitution. She wrote this letter today. The Speaker Pelosi sent this, uh, wrote this and sent it to the, to the president today. Dear Mr. President, in their great wisdom, our founders crafted a constitution based on a system of separation of powers, three co-equal branches acting as checks on each other. To ensure that balance of powers, the Constitution calls for the president to, quote, from time to time, give to the Congress information of the State of the Union, close quote. In the spirit of respecting our Constitution, I invite you to deliver your State of the Union address before a joint session of Congress on Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, in the chamber of the U.S. House of Representatives. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Best regards. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. So why did I read that? Because each year when the president is called upon to do that uh, constitutional duty of giving to the Congress information of the State of the Union, it must be preceded by an invitation. If you remember, there was some uh, hubbub uh, a short time ago, or rather last year, when uh, it was uncertain if the speaker would even invite the president to deliver these remarks. There was, uh, <laughs> the story goes like this, uh, Speaker Pelosi and a group of others were going to go on something called a, a CODEL, it's a congressional delegation travel, 
And they, when they do those types of trips, members of Congress and sometimes their staff, when they get together and they travel either to a foreign country or to uh, somewhere off in the world, maybe a U.S. territory, they'll do so on uh, Department of Defense aircraft. Uh, or at least transportation uh, means provided by the Department of Defense. And the Department of Defense is, of course, ultimately commanded by the Commander-in-Chief. And if you do all that math, you realize that uh, that the the President has control over the vehicles, the aircraft, uh, that the Speaker and her uh, group uh, in her congressional delegation were about to use to go off on their trip. I don't remember exactly where they were headed, but they were, I mean, their bags were packed. They were on a bus on their way to uh, Joint Base Andrews to fly off. And the President said, eh, guess what? We're going to keep those planes on the ground. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, you might want to get back to work and get to doing the work of the people. It was an interesting power play. And the follow-up to that was uh, questions regarding uh, whether or not the speaker would invite the president to uh, deliver the State of the Union. Anyway, uh, the the reason I bring it up just now is because it will be uh, interesting to see at what stage we are in these impeachment proceedings. The president has been impeached. Uh, That was done by the House on Thursday or Wednesday, rather. And next up, uh, theoretically will be a trial in the Senate. We've heard that uh, Speaker Pelosi may not be uh, exactly ready to uh, send the articles of impeachment over to the Senate, which would commence the, the the trial in the Senate. So who knows? There is a there is a likelihood or a possibility, rather, that this State of the Union address delivered by the president on the floor of the House of Representatives uh, will happen in the midst of a trial. Now, that was the case with uh, President Clinton uh, back 21 years ago. Uh, but he did not mention that uh, he did not mention President Clinton didn't mention the impeachment proceedings at all. Yesterday, while I was speaking with Boyd Matheson, he, he speculates that uh, I think that it might be impossible for the president to avoid that topic during his own State of the Union. Anyway, uh, so, you know, now we have a date for the State of the Union address. If the president accepts this invitation, it will take place on Tuesday, February 4th in the chamber of the U.S. House. Now, listen, I have uh, almost hijacked this all the time in this segment and wasn't able to tell you the story uh, of something going on in the Congo. Uh, This deals with the World Wildlife Fund and something that I was working on uh, when I was a congressional staffer out in Washington, D.C. I'll uh, tell you... My attention was was back on this topic after I received a, a press release from from my former boss, Congressman Rob Bishop. He is uh, the the ranking member of the House Committee on Natural Resources. Ranking member means he is the top ranking Republican. When the Democrats took over the House, the chairmanships of all of the respective committees in the House uh, were were changed, and then Democrats took control. The second uh, in command, essentially, is the ranking Republican. That's Congressman Bishop now. He sends a press release out, and the headline reads, Bishop seeks hearings from Grijalva. Grijalva is uh, Raul Grijalva. He's a, a congressman from Arizona. He is now the chairman of this Natural Resources Committee. It says Bishop seeks hearings from Grijalva on conservation grants, drops bill to prevent taxpayer funded human rights violations. What is this talking about? Uh, Do you read BuzzFeed? BuzzFeed has a reputation of being, uh, you know, they're a clickbaity type uh, outlet, but they also have investigative uh, reporters. 
And uh, some of those reporters are very serious and earnest and can get to the bottom of stories. There is one such reporter, a woman named Katie Barker, who I have had uh, a good deal of communication with over the past little while. And she, uh, sometime last year, broke a story, or this past year, rather, uh, broke a story which revealed that there was money being funneled from Department of Interior Conservation Grants to the World Wildlife Fund, and that those funds and those monies, the grant monies, were being uh, then paid to essentially uh, warlord types in the Congo in the name of uh, anti-poaching efforts. So some of these folks who had uh, uh, track records of some violence, uh, they were given money to prevent poaching. Now, in the execution of those duties, essentially, or those, those presumed duties, uh, those individuals, these anti-poaching folks, uh, they, it is alleged, committed some atrocities. Uh, it's the middle of the day on this uh, family-friendly radio station, and so I'm not going to detail exactly what these folks are accused to have done. But uh, if if you are any student of history, I'd like to, to take you to uh, some of the darker uh, chapters, and that's what uh, has been taking place. There's a report, uh, an internal investigation executed by the World Wildlife Fund. There have been other investigations, and none of it points to any kind of good behavior. It's a terribly tragic thing w- w- what has happened uh, at the hands of, of these individuals, and they were funded by the World Wildlife Fund, and those monies had originated uh, by, from the taxpayers' coffers. And so what is Congressman Bishop doing, and what is his involvement? He has uh, written a letter. Uh, to the chairman of the Natural Resources Committee requesting an investigative hearing. They would like uh, a hearing to convene in Congress and for these these allegations to be looked at thoroughly. He has also introduced a piece of legislation which would specifically prohibit the transmission of monies from Department of Interior Conservation grants uh, to go towards anything uh, untoward. If it is, if anyone has uh, a reputation of doing something wrong, or if there is uh, a chance or a likelihood that any type of human rights violations may result from uh, the payment of these grants, it shall be prohibited. It's a, it's a very complex and deep story, and it's a, in its heart, it is a, a great tragedy. Uh, but there are steps being taken to remedy it, and uh, I believe. Uh, pretty soon we're going to find some kind of resolution here. I can assure you I'm going to keep my eyes on this story. I, I worked on it in another capacity in a, in a past job of mine. And uh, now as uh, essentially a talk show host here, I uh, promise you I'm going to keep an eye on it as well. Next up, uh, Scott Howell is going to be here in studio with me, former state senator. We're going to discuss the Democratic debate of last night. It took place in Los Angeles. Uh, seven candidates uh, on the stage. We're going to see how they did next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought 
There are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.